It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, make some hay bravos. PFF got it wrong and a trade that I don't even want. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or where you ever listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So, obviously, the Braves did not take advantage of being in Oakland, and uh, they did win yesterday, but certainly not taking three games from the Oakland A's, a little bit of a disappointment. But as we move here into June, there's a chance for the Braves to open up and obviously have a lighter schedule than what they had in May. You know, if you look at May, Philadelphia, L.A., you know, even the Rangers playing all the interleague games against teams you never seen, um, obviously the five-game set that was up in New York, but that got a lot rained out. Houston, San Diego, you know, they've run a pretty tough gauntlet of games so far this year. But if you look in the month of June and what they have coming up, okay, now the Braves will head over to Arizona. Um, so they'll start a three-game set in Arizona. <clears throat> then they come back home to take on the Mets. And then it's Washington, Detroit, and Colorado. All teams that are below 500. And Arizona's played pretty well this year. So that that may be the interesting series. But obviously the Mets coming into Truist Park. But Washington, Detroit, Colorado. Then you go to Philadelphia as you get toward the end of the month. And then you go to Cincinnati, who's not very good. And even the Twins are only a game above 500 that lead their division. So when you look at the month of games in June, this is a real opportunity. You know, we, we always talk about in the NBA, you know, even major league baseball that you have to take advantage of the schedule that's, that's in front of you. And the Braves have obviously done a great job with the schedule thus far, even considering the teams that they've had to play. The fact that they're 10 games above 500, they have what? I think they still have the biggest division lead them in uh, Tampa Bay over Baltimore. Um, they still have the biggest division lead in the majors, even with that schedule, right, where they've played some really good teams so far to this point, a third of the way through now. Now it's a chance to have this thing lighten up a little bit, and hopefully the Braves really take advantage of this. Hopefully the Braves can really take advantage of what the schedule is in front of them. And again, they're not going to win the division in the month of June. But, you know, for a lot of people that, you know, they're the the Nudniks that, well, I don't look at standings until Memorial Day. Well, guess what? We're past Memorial Day, Chief. Now we're in the first part of June. Now you can start looking at where the standings are. And the Braves are 10 games above 500 with the largest division lead right now in baseball. 
and this is an opportunity that they could put some distance between themselves and Philadelphia and New York, right? I mean, obviously, they're going to see the Mets for a series coming up here in the early part of June at Truist Park. And then the Braves will head up to Philadelphia as we get past the midway point of the month. But Cincinnati, Minnesota, Colorado, who's dreadful, Tigers are dreadful, Washington, who's dreadful, there's a lot of opportunity for this team to take advantage of some things. And that was so disappointing is that, look, yeah, going to the West Coast and all that good kind of stuff, but the ace stink. You know, the fact that the Braves lost two out of three and were in danger of getting swept yesterday, the A's stink. You have to take advantage of when the schedule is there, right? That's one of the things that we've talked about with the Atlanta Hawks is that when they've had the opportunity to take advantage of what their schedule is, they haven't done it. And while, again, the division won't be won in the month of June, you can make life a whole lot harder for Philadelphia and New York if you can just take care of your business because you're going to have a bunch of games that are against teams that are below 500. And obviously with how good the Braves have been on the road this year, you know, you still look at what the Braves road schedule has been sitting at 18 and nine on the road. That's still a phenomenal record. I mean, it's been a little bit rougher here of late, but 18 and nine at home where they really have to take advantage is they have to take advantage of their home record. You know, their truest parks are only 15 and 14 on the season. Got to try to take advantage of when you have, you know, teams that are coming in that are not very good, finding ways to beat them and not just series at times, but, you know, getting on an extended streak and, you know, obviously having the Mets and Philadelphia Phillies really have to start chasing you. You know, it was Memorial day of last year when the Mets had that 10 and a half game lead, right? And, you know, what was his name? Um, Sal Bag of Donuts or whatever, you know, talked about, you know, the division was over and then the Braves took advantage of their schedule. They just got red hot, right? Now here's another opportunity where the shoe's on the other foot. The Braves have a four-game lead in their division. And now they have to find a way to basically beat some of these bad teams and start to pile up and accumulate wins. So things look good in the month of June. You know, obviously, we, we closed out, you know, the month of May on a victory, but certainly it was a disappointing series. You know, we're seeing some new faces and things like that. And hopefully, hopefully as we get into the month of June, you know, by the time we get toward the end of the month, maybe Max Freed will start to get healthier. Maybe Kyle Wright will start to, you know, rehab a little bit. I mean, they're not expecting him back until sometime in August. So, you know, again, it's not going to be, you know, very soon before we see a Kyle Wright, but maybe Max Free can start to <coughs> find his way back in. You know, obviously we'll see what Soroka does where now he's going to have multiple starts underneath his belt, right? And Schuster and some guys like that. And obviously as we start to get healthier in our lineup and, you know, everybody's kind of back to full speed, right? Darno gets back in the mix. We'll see if uh, Marcelo Zuna can replicate what his May was, where he's got an outside shot to be the player of the month of the National League for the month of May. As crazy as that may sound, that he's got an outside shot after what he did in May. So, again, should be a lot of hope as we head into summertime. Kids out of school now, 
should be really good ballpark uh, crowds at the ballpark. Um, you know, and obviously the Braves have a, a a lighter load than what they've had up to this point. You think about the teams that they've had to run through. You know, the Mets, you know, on the road, and that series got rained out, but it was supposed to be a five-game set up in New York. You face the uh, San Diego Padres. You know, you've seen the Dodgers, you know, Philadelphia. You know, there's been good teams that you've had to play. There's all those American League teams, right? You know, the Texas Rangers and some of those teams that you've had to play that they were leading their division when you played them. So now we get into the month of, of June, and now the calendar flips. And hopefully the Braves can find a way to take advantage of this schedule. Hopefully the Braves can start to get some separation between them and the Mets and the Phillies. This would be the time to do it. All right, this episode of Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And new customers right now, as we're headed toward NBA playoff finals, new customers right now have a chance to get in on the action, go to FanDuel.com, and claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as are you ready $2500 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win yes i did say that right $2500 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win now fanduel is super easy to use it's safe secure they've got you covered and anything that you want to get in the action on NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, everything has been uh, is there for you to get in on the action. So go to America's number one sports book, FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and claim your no sweat first bet if your first bet doesn't win where you can get as much as $2,500. That's super easy. $2,500. That's fanduel.com slash locked on, fanduel.com slash L O C K E D O N, fanduel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So I will tell you, there's an article on uh, Pro Football Focus. I'm a big Pro Football Focus fan. I mean, again, I don't think that everything that they have out there is gospel. But again, they're just not some jabroni organization, right? I mean, they're just not some ham and eggers that just kind of, you know, do fluff stuff and things like that. You know, and they have their guys that they really like, right? I mean, let, let's let's be honest. I mean, they have their players on teams that they hype them up and and maybe make them out to be a little bit more than even what they are at times. Okay. Now here's a perfect example. So pro football focus has every NFL's team, uh, uh, every NFL team's top three players entering the 2023 season. Now here's the Falcons list. Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews and Kyle Pitts. Here's their write-up before I get into commentary on this. Quote, the Falcons' influx of talent this offseason made this exercise a pleasant surprise for them. Lindstrom has to be on the list. He was the highest-graded guard in football last year. An astounding 95.0 mark 
with a 24.9% impact run block percentage. Matthews wasn't the next highest graded player, but entering his 10th season, he has never posted a career grade below 70, including his 77.2 mark last year. Pitts, who hasn't had a true takeover type of season we know he's capable of yet, earned the last spot. Talent-wise, it's all it's still all there for him to shine in 2023. All right, so let me talk about these three players. Number one, Lindstrom, no-brainer. Lindstrom is the best player on the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I know he's not your favorite, but Lindstrom is the best player that the Atlanta Falcons have. Second team All-Pro this past season, got the big contract extension. There's no doubt he's the best player on this football team. And he plays a premium position where he is an interior offensive lineman. I know it's not as glamorous as, you know, tackle or defensive end or things like that. But if you have a great guard, you know, again, if you have Larry Allen or John Hanna, you're going to win a lot of football games. So Lindstrom, no problem. Jake Matthews, uh, I'll give you several players that I think are better than Jake Matthews. I think Pitts is a better player than, than Jake Matthews is at this point because of the upside. I, I think that I think that their running backs could develop into better quality players and more impactful players than what Jake Matthews is at this point. We have to have Arnold Ebicati try to become that kind of player, but Grady Jarrett's another guy, you know. So I, I, I like Jake. I think Jake's a really good football player. Jake's been a better football player than what the what the Atlanta folks have given him credit for. He's been a very solid. You know, for a lot of his career, he was a top half tackle in the NFL. You know, again, is he Jonathan Ogden or somebody like that? No, no, he's not, you know, Orlando Pace or somebody, but he's been really solid. He's been able to anchor our offensive line for a decade now, right? I mean, so I I got no problem with Jake Matthews. I don't think Jake Matthews is one of the three best players on the team. Kyle Pitts is one of these guys that pro football focus is enamored with. Yes, I understand the talent, okay? And this will be the telltale year. We've we've gone through this whole exercise here about the idea of what Kyle Pitts is, and this has to be the year. You know, again, when you're drafted fourth overall, there is an expectation about being a game-changing player. Kyle Pitts has not been a game-changing player. You can argue with me all day long. He's not influenced the game enough. We have 20 losses in the two years that he's been here. How much influence has there been from a Kyle Pitts? And again, I understand it's not all his fault, but at the same point, when you're picked that high and you're the unicorn and all of these things come with attachments to it, you know, things have to start to turn the corner very quickly. And I still think that, you know, for him to have an impact and for us to win a bunch of games, He's got to be Travis Kelsey, 100 catches, 1,400 yards, doesn't try. That's what we have to see on the stat sheet. Well, he impacts the game by blocking and all that. Blocking? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I think A.J. Terrell, even maybe Jesse Bates, Grady Jarrett, those are all better candidates to be the Falcons' second, third best players on this roster. Lindstrom, Lindstrom's the best player on this team. But still, Grady Jarrett's an impactful player coming off a seven sack season, you know, for an interior defensive lineman, seven sacks is a big time number. 
you know, again, there aren't a whole lot of guys that come in the, you know, in the league running around right now that are double digit sack guys as interior guys. So Grady having seven sacks and the way he impacts the game, certainly, you know, I think he's one of the three best players, even at his age of 30. And, you know, we just talked about this yesterday about, you know, they said, well, you know, maybe at 30 years old, his best days are behind him. Yeah, but he's still got a lot of football left in him. I, I don't think he's over the hill or anything like that. And I know, listen, I know that Kyle Pitts and the potential is there, but it hasn't been a delivery of goods yet. Look, A.J. Terrell has been one of the better corners, and he's in line to get a massive extension. He's been one of the better corners in the NFL over the last couple of years. Yes, he had a down season last year compared to what he was two years ago, but he did perform at a high level, and two years ago, he wasn't all uh, a Pro Bowl player, and he was, I think, a second-team All-Pro. Like Again, he's had accomplishments in the NFL and accolades to go along with them. He's been a top-tier type of talent. But again, a lot of it is on potential. You know, again, that that P word, right? Potential for Kyle Pitts. Potential for Arnold Ebicady. You know, I want to see a fire breather. You know, we talked about uh, Arnold Ebicady yesterday. I want to see a fire breather become one of my three best players. I want to see a guy coming off the edge that destroys quarterbacks. That that is a guy who just abuses tackles, and and he's the guy that's one of our three best players. Because that's how we transform the football game. So, in all honesty, if, if I had, if I, if I asked right now, if if you asked me that this question, who's the three best players on the Atlanta Falcons? Lindstrom, no problem with. AJ Terrell and Grady Jarrett. I think that's our three best, most impactful players that we have. We have a lot of potential candidates, right? Like if this this conversation a year from now could be fascinating. You know, it could be Pitts, could be London, could be Jeff Okuda, could be Jesse Bates, could be Caden Ellis or Onyamata. You know, like again, this discussion in a year from now has the potential to be very interesting about, well, I don't know if we can narrow it down to three, but I still think that Lindstrom, Grady, A.J. Terrell, that is our three best players. With all due respect to Jake Matthews, with all due respect to Kyle Pitts, you know, again, I think that those other two guys are better players and more impactful players for this team than what, you know, Jake Matthews and Kyle Pitts are at this very moment. Not that either guy is bad. I'm not hating on any of these guys. But again, it's all about the P word, potential. And we've got to see that. I haven't seen that, you know, enough from Kyle Pitts. You know, a play here and a play there isn't, you know, enough. It's got to be, you know, again, the health and a whole bunch of touchdowns. And that's how you impact the football game, right? So I'll give it, I'll give Lindstrom his nod, his due. He's the best player on this football team. But I think A.J. Terrell and Grady Jarrett are the second and third best players on this team. 
All right, as you make hitting hard with John Chuck, when you first listen, make sure you go in and leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener to the program. So whatever platform that you're on, go in the comment section and let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to say. You're listening in five days a week. We really appreciate the fact that you are here with us every single day, Monday through Friday, being a part of our ever-growing community. So we thank you so much for being a part of the show and let us know that you're an everydayer, an everyday listener to the program. So here's a trade that I guess I don't want. Um, Soaring Down South had an article about a potential Atlanta Hawks trade target that nobody is talking about. And obviously we know about the idea of Jalen Brown, right? That's the guy that I'm focused in on. Like I'm putting all of my eggs into his basket. That that's the, that's the person that I'm putting all of my stock into just I'm dumping everything into, right? However, here's the guy that they say that is maybe this underrated trade target that we should be targeting, okay? And that's Kristaps Porzingis. Now, he's been a pretty good scorer over the last handful of years, right? Just finished up his second year in Washington, right? I mean, he... He played, you know, 17 games with with Washington a couple of years ago where when he got traded and then he played 65 games this past season. Average 23 and a half points. Okay, no problem with that. He's a 38 and a half percent three point shooter. But why on this team would I want a guy at seven foot three who's going to completely play outside? Porzingis averages 6.6 rebounds over the last two years in Washington, and he averaged 5.8 rebounds with the Dallas Mavericks in his final year. So between Washington and Dallas, 5.8 and 6.6, and then averaged 6.6 rebounds last year. I like the size and everything, but why do I want another guy who stands out at the three-point line who's a big guy that just hucks it up everywhere? And again, these European players by, you know, again, let's 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 face it. You know, they're not exactly the toughest guys. I need somebody to bang down low. I need my big guys to bang down low and protect the rim and grab rebounds, you know, like what Capella can do. You know, again, is Capella the best center in the NBA? No, I mean, again, I, he's not David Robinson. I mean, I, I understand that. But I don't need a guy who stands 30 feet from the basket hucking it up. A guy who, you know, how many free, how many three point uh, attempts uh, did he make? Uh, or sorry, this year he attempted five and a half threes a game. I got enough of those guys. I got enough of my taller guys that are hucking it up from three, right? I don't need more of those guys. You know, I've got guys that can uh, on the perimeter. I've got Trey Young and I've got Dejounte Murray and I've got Bogey. You know, I've got guys like that that can that you know AJ Griffin. I got guys like that that can fire up the three. What do I want another guy who's a soft player and only grabs me six and a half rebounds a game at seven foot three? And they talk about in the article about, well, the matchup problems. Well, yeah, because again, seven foot three guys should not be shooting from 30 foot. Yeah, that's why he's a matchup problem. Yes, he can score. I get that. But does he impact the game? Does he does he help win basketball games? You know, again, if, if Porzingis played down low, it's one of those scenarios where if he played down low and, and he averaged, let's say he went from 23 a game 
to 14 a game, but he grabbed 14 rebounds a night and blocked shots. Then he'd impact the game. But how much does he impact the game at seven foot three, standing 30 feet out? Like these are not guys that I want. I got to get tougher. I got to get grittier. I, I got to have defensive presence. You know, I, I've got to have guys that play on the inside that are defensive stoppers. Look, Capella was our highest rated um, defensive player last year. I need more of those guys. I need the the, the uh, Okongwus and the Clint Capellas and guys like that to bang around down there. I don't need more guys to stand at seven foot three from 30 feet away, hucking it up. And then I, you know, again, I don't have any rebounding. And and we're, you know, again, we were a really good rebounding team this past year, but in years past, we've not been a very good rebounding team. At least we were a top 10 rebounding team this year. But again, I, I, I don't know why this, why they would write an article about this that makes sense. I don't want Porzingis. I, I don't, that's the last thing that I need. I don't need more guys that hook it up from 30 feet that are big, tall guys. I need guys that can bang inside. I need guys that can protect the rim. How often do we see guys, especially in that Boston series, how often do we see guys just get right to the basket? Anytime they want, get right to the basket, go right through our perimeter defense and get right to the basket. I need a guy who can protect the rim from that standpoint. And if you're only averaging, again, the 23 points a game is nice. The 38.5% field goal or three-point percentage, that's all nice. But for a seven-foot-three guy, that's not what I need on this team. I don't need seven-foot-three guys that huck it up from three. I need gritty guys. I need bangers. I need some guys who play a role on this team, who can be a defensive stopper or be a specialist to this. I don't need guys that are, you know, standing out from the basket and they can't protect the rim at that point. Uh, you know, again, they, <laughs> I I just don't want Chris Stapps Przingis. I, I get that he's a good player. He's a really good shooter, right? And especially at seven foot three, you know, it's crazy to think that he's making almost 40% of his threes and he's averaging 23 points. I get all that. But is Washington a really good franchise? They've got Bradley Bill and Kristaps Porzingis. How good are they? Seriously, how good are they? Like, how many championship banners are they raising in Washington? Well, well, they don't have all the other pieces and things like that around them. Or maybe that their two stars are, are, you know, not as impactful as what we think. Bradley Bill gets paid, you know, $50 million a year. He's a super max kind of player. But I don't want Porzingis. I mean, I don't, again... When we're floating out these names, and I understand it's clickbait, and we gotta, you know, talk about these different people, but I don't want some of these guys. So I say big thumbs down, no to Krista. Give me Jalen Brown. Just just will you give me Jalen Brown, one of the best two-way players in the NBA? Just give me him, and I'll figure out everything else from there. All right, well, thank you so much for making hitting hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment that you're an everyday listener to the program on whatever platform that you're listening to us on. Make sure that you leave us a note that you're in every day or listening in five days a week. We certainly appreciate everything that you do for us and uh, certainly appreciate you being a part of the audience every day. So let us know that you're an everydayer. 
We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, catch us on the SiriusXM app as well. And then follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.